0: Welcome to the Questionly Qualified Podcast. I'm John Truxus, And I'm Chris Weeman. Hello everyone, we're back! Took us a little while to get this one together, uh, but it's good to be back rec- recording again. We had a time to put together a show sheet for the first time in a while, and, uh, and Ac- hopefully we have some good stuff to go through.
1: And actually like compose our thoughts a little bit this time. We're, we're slowly building our expertise as we go along here, but uh, we'll, hopefully this one will turn out pretty well. Right, right. Um, so yeah,
0: you know, obviously just been a little bit busy lately and, uh, trying to get caught up on video gaming, on, on pop culture, all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cat and I, uh, had a relatively large movie weekend last weekend, went to, Very nice. uh, Jurassic World and Incredibles 2. I would say both are worth seeing. Jurassic World 2 was pretty bad, so don't be expecting anything good from a storyline standpoint, a writing standpoint. <laughs> The dinosaurs are cool. I mean, but
1: really, why do you go to a Jurassic World movie for cool dinosaurs? Right. So as long as they get that right, then I I could probably find myself enjoying it. I have not had the opportunity to see either of those. I very badly want to see Incredibles 2. And in fact, Misha has already seen Incredibles 2. Ah. She went to an event at the Draft House where... with a bunch of girls they went watch the incredibles and apparently they had like a cereal buffet or something like that so she had an afternoon eating a multitude of cereals while watching the incredibles too. while i uh sat at home and worked it was really really unfortunate that's rough Uh, but at some point i will be finding my way to see that movie even if it is without my fiance yeah and that one is well worth seeing that one was fantastic two thumbs up all the way
0: excellent all right, so uh, on a related note, let's go ahead. I think we're going to have a, a recurring segment here where we'll look one one to two months down the road at what movies are coming out mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of odd this at this point of the year, but it seems like most of the major movie events are already done. Um, you know, Black Panther, The, the Avengers, Ant-Man, and Marvel, I think, might be done for the next six months or so, which is hard to imagine.
1: Yeah, it's and normally it's like the summer blockbuster, right? And... Uh... According to the temperature outside, it's definitely summer, yes. and there doesn't seem to be a lot of blockbusters. They kind of loaded all those up earlier in the year, which yeah. is an interesting little switch, I guess. Maybe they're all trying to not compete with each other, so they're staggering it out. Which honestly is probably good for us. That way, yeah. we can actually get around to seeing them, all of them in theater.
0: Yeah, it works out well. It's tough. It's tough to do multiple theater visits in a weekend. Yeah, uh, it starts adding up to a really nice dinner uh, mm-hmm. pretty quickly. There. Yes, and it price, does. Price tag. Yes. Okay, so yeah, let's go ahead and start out with with some of the the trailers that are coming out here. Uh, we'll, we'll start with The Little Mermaid, because
1: okay. I was uh, entirely unaware that it was even a thing that was being made this year. I, I kind of went under the assumption that we were going to start seeing all the classics remade live action. I uh, actually did see the Beauty and the Beast live action and was pleasantly surprised. I was never a huge fan of the original Beauty and the Beast. I just kind of went and, you know, fiance wanted to see it, so sure. I said, sure, I'll go with you, and found myself really enjoying it. Like really really enjoying it and it's and what was interesting about it is the fact that they actually more or less rehashed the original movie to a t well not to a t but pretty close to a t Mm -hmm. and it turned out really well what is really curious about this little mermaid reboot is the fact that it looks like it's totally reimagined
0: yes yeah i would agree and i'm I, feel like Beauty and the Beast is an easier story to translate. The story in Little Mermaid, I mean, the best part of it, in my opinion, is just that Ursula was a good villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise it's, you know, a mermaid who can't give up her voice to live on land, which is right. real weird yeah. and not, not a great, not a great look. Yeah, um, it, <laughs> Looking it, it, back at it. <laughs> yeah. If it
1: weren't for the characters, uh, the, the plot line is kind of, confusing and maybe that's part of the reason they are doing the reimagining is they kind of step through and they're like this is kind of dumb
0: right yeah we can't we can't run the same thing back
1: here for this one <laughs> but that that does seem to have the unfortunate byproduct that i'm guessing there's going to be no ursula or similar
0: right yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do with the villain or you know what what it, what she tricks
1: ariel into doing in this case is it a she or a he it looks like it was a he it did seem that way yeah keeping, tra- keeping her locked in i don't know it I, i'm pretty skeptical on this right now uh, i also the fact that you know okay it's in mississippi it's and all that and i wonder if also part of the reason they're doing the reimagined approach as opposed to you know rehashing is you know maybe a budgetary thing i don't know there's could be there there just seems to be kind of a lot of warning signs that this might not be very good i'm i'm a little puzzled as well by the continued interest in
0: fish people uh, we had the Oscar winning, the color of water or yeah, the shape of water, shape of water. Yeah. Right. Uh, we have Aquaman coming, which even if it wasn't DC, I'd be skeptical at the, the viability of an Aquaman franchise. It's yes. Just a tough, just a tough dude to build around in yeah. terms of, in terms of powers and abilities. I agree completely. <laughs> and now we've got this one as well. So fish people, uh, odd surge in popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I, I am personally out on this one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely going to be waiting for uh, more reviews to come out. And I'm okay with, if I'm wrong about it, but I don't think I'm going to be, so I'm going to say I'm out as well. Yeah,
0: that yeah, seems reasonable.
1: Uh, okay, so the next
0: one, let's do Happy Time Murders, because this one was a trailer when we were at the theater this weekend. And I think our reaction at the time, at least, was pretty much just puzzlement.
1: I had the same reaction. My first kind of thoughts I had when I saw, okay, movie about puppets, Team America. So I went and said, okay, maybe it'll be good. And the fact that it's actually Brian Henson doing it, Mm kind of cool. I I dig it, but it seemed to be just kind of raunchy for raunchy's sake. Cause I went and like Team America, also very raunchy movie, but I went like watched a trailer of Team America and it was more plot focused, kind of more, it actually did a little world building with it. And it was, you know, tried to build interest that way. Whereas this is literally, okay, how many, you know, jokes about bodily fluids can we make in a two minute trailer right yeah that's
0: always uh, it was it was very direct to that and I think also Melissa McCarthy is undoubtedly good enough to carry a movie by herself Mm -hmm. Uh, but a movie of her and puppets it's difficult to to figure out exactly what the stakes are with puppets what the you know in the trailer they have some some puppet murders which is you know the the center storyline is that puppets are being murdered Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm Having a difficult time figuring out, uh, you know, can you sew a puppet back together after it's been murdered and it comes back to life? What are the what are the the actual rules around puppet puppet violence here? You know.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure they'll establish that at some point, but it no, it's just kind of it doesn't seem to have at least the trailer didn't seem fleshed out on what's all going on with the movie. So until I kind of learn more, I'm gonna have probably the same approach to Little Mermaid here, where I'm going to be out until proven otherwise.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm out on that one. I, I do love Melissa McCarthy, but I just... Something about the trailer, you know, maybe it's just that it was very aggro on its on its adult humor angle, uh, but just not vibing. Yep, I agree. Uh, the next one we have is The Spy Who Dumped Me, uh, with Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. So right off the bat, I mean, I, I love both of them, so that's a, a good start. I agree. And then the, the storyline of it, uh, I didn't really understand exactly what's going on in the trailer.
1: It seemed like it was, you know, Mila Kunis was dating, or one of them was dating uh, an ex-CIA agent or current CIA agent. And something of the matter is going on where people are going after them to get to the agent, something along okay. those lines. Okay. So now they're kind of on the run and trying to do something remedy the situation and up front uh one thing i noticed in the trailer is it looks like like the chemistry between the characters looked awesome they they seem to be having a lot of fun making the movie and the humor was on point i i got a couple good laughs at it i i showed it to amisha and she was really excited about it it it, so it's looking really promising up front
0: yeah, I would agree. I think uh I, I may n- maybe not the first weekend it's out, but I think I'm in on, on going to see this one.
1: Yeah. Probably not probably not opening weekend, but probably opening week for me. Uh I, I think that it's just I'm definitely in. Yeah. There's
0: definitely a lot of potential. Hopefully it's not as bad as This Is War, which I, I also thought was uh you know, had potential from the trailer. It was Chris Pine, and I don't remember who else, fighting over Reese Witherspoon. To Oh, uh Tom Hardy, I believe. Both intelligence agents, both interested in Reese Witherspoon, and then, you know, sabotaging each other in their pursuit of Reese Witherspoon.
1: I thought it was fairly promising in the trailer and was utter garbage. Yeah, with so. that cast, you'd hope, but you, know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, But yeah, I'll definitely, I mean, all movies is generally tentative. There's very few movies I go opening weekend, but this one I... Uh, I'm definitely in on still. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. And then finally, uh, we'll discuss the Meg. So, you know,
0: a star vehicle for Jason Statham. Always, always in on Jason Statham films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a shark movie. So, also, you know, generally pretty good, pretty good, uh, track record of shark movies, especially if you don't get into sequels, such as the Jaws sequels. Yes. Um, but you have Jaws, you have Deep Blue Sea, you know, you have some, some excellent shark, shark related movies. That are also, going
1: on. the, you know, ever present Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yes, all of the Mega Shark variants. A vintage classic.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, right off the bat, I'm in on the Meg. The moment that I, I saw that it's a shark, a giant shark movie. I'm like, okay, sounds good.
1: Yeah, and I'm... Take my money. Exactly. (laughs) I'm a big proponent of this kind of trend and the resurgence of giant monster movies. And not only that, big budget giant monster Mm -hmm. movies. For a while, giant monster movies were kind of a a sci-fi channel, like, specific niche that was being populated. But now the big studios are getting in on it. And... So far, it seems like it's hashing out pretty well. Like, for example, Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. Pacific Rim series has been fantastic, and it seems that more studios are realizing that this is something that global audiences really want. It's not just the U.S. Like, these types of movies kill overseas.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the biggest question uh, I have around the Meg is probably the presence of Dwight Schrute, who, uh, you know, since being Dwight Schrute, I don't know that he's done anything that has been received particularly well.
1: Yeah, but he's a minor part of the movie, and it does seem like they're going to be playing the comedic angle pretty heavily, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. So I think for some kind of dry humor, he could be a very, very positive asset to the movie. so, I So I'm, yes. I'm tentatively pretty okay with I
0: think, that. I think moderation will be the key for, yes. for that. If he's, if he's cracking jokes every five minutes, you know... That could get old then, really fast. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get tired of that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely in on the Meg... You know, I think it, there's there's some good potential there for uh, a franchise. You know, splitting off perhaps. You know, crossing over with Deep Blue Sea, and then you get Smart Meg, which would be <laughs> truly fantastic. Yes, but yeah, in you know, so on that
1: one. Both definitely hugely in on that. Yes, excellent. Maybe even opening weekend. I day. think
0: that might be an opening
1: weekend. Yes, yes. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, at the Alamo Draft House, it's a good. That it seems like a good beer movie as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, So that's that's the in or out segment. Uh, You know, just to recap it, I think we, we agreed on all of these. We're both out on the Little Mermaid and Happy Time Murders, in on the spy who dumped me and the Meg.
1: Agreed. Excellent.
0: So next up, uh, we wanted to discuss a little bit of E3, obviously a little bit late. I think it was in June, something like that. Yeah, but there's
1: a lot to cover, and it's constantly changing, and really, we could talk about it for the next six podcasts and not cover all of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Especially with games that, uh, you know, if we don't know the developer, if we don't know any of that stuff... Trailer might look really cool, and in that case, there's a lot of speculation we could do on how good of a game it could be
1: right and there's there's always the golden rule you need to be very skeptical of anything you see in a trade show unless like even talking about what's an exclusive versus what's not an exclusive it, it's just kind of there's a lot of smoke and mirrors at trade shows and it, you need to really go dig into each game, which is what we're going to kind of try and do here.
0: Yep, yep. So we picked a, a selection of games that that were you know interested in for various reasons, and we're going to sort of discuss you know what we what we think of them and what we're hoping for and uh, and any concerns we might have. So w- which one would you like to start with?
1: Yeah. So I actually wrote a, a series of articles. Pretty much the only writing I actually got done over the next last you know month and a half was good number of articles covering the games I found interesting during the first day of E3. So we'll start with those games, and we'll actually cut it down to the ones that I thought had the most promise. And the first game I want to cover is Dying Light 2. For those of you that don't know what the Dying Light series is, it's basically a... post-apocalyptic zombie-type world where you go around and you're you know trying to survive zombies and kind of rebuild civilization to a certain degree. The first game was a little bit light on the whole civilization rebuilding thing because it was taking place right after the apocalypse, whereas Dying Light 2 is, I want to say, 15 years after, and now you're starting to see a bunch of factions spring up, and it's going to have a huge emphasis on... Both choices and kind of world building as a result of that. So I'm really pumped for it. I loved the first Dying Light game. It was everything Dead Island should have been. (laughs) And it just seems like they're taking all of the good parts of dying, the original Dying Light game and combining it with just a really robust choice system. Interesting.
0: So uh, I did not play the first one. Basically, the trailer looked, you know, very interesting and it seemed, you know, you're, you seem to have pretty free range of motion where, you know, in the area that you're in. Yes. In this game.
1: Yeah. Big emphasis or a big selling point of the first Dying Light game was a really, really good parkour system where you could climb basically anything, jump basically anywhere. And it, it was really, really fluid in that way. And so
0: so, what type of game is the first one? Is it like a survival? It's not survival horror, right? It's it's not as uh, as sort of tense as maybe one of those games, but is it
1: There's some tense moments. I mean, it's hard to be a true survival horror game when you have as much firepower as you can get in the Dying Light games. It's definitely more action-adventure than survival horror. Okay. But the world-building and the atmosphere is really good. And actually, the game does kind of become survival horror at night, especially early on in the game, because that's when the real nasty super zombies come out. And early on, you don't stand a chance in hell at beating them. Gotcha. So you are basically either hiding or on the run all the time, which it actually kind of makes the game come alive. Interesting. Okay. Uh,
0: and, and, did they do a pretty good job with the, the enemy design in the first one, especially the night, nighttime creatures or?
1: They, they did, uh, to a certain extent. There's, you, once you kind of figure them out, you can start to mow through them. Okay. And some of them are pretty generic. You know, you've got your big hulking monster, you've got your small little piddly ones, you got some faster ones. It's, mm-hmm. th- th- there's not a, there wasn't a ton of imagination there. And I hope that they improve on that with the second game. But the second game does seem to be focusing more on the human element, which I do think is a a natural step forward i just hope that they don't lose sight of the monsters because that is what brought us into the first game
0: right and so this is the one that in the trailer they they sort of have like the town town square sort of meeting and the the harsh punishments for for any sort of you know misbehavior and things like that so you've
1: got kind of like your fascist faction you've got your renegade faction your criminal faction you've got just a variety of factions like that and uh depending on the choices you make You can side with one, all of them, you know, any choice you make impacts your relationship with the other one. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be a pretty extensive choice tree where kind of the blueprint of the game, the actual, the uniqueness of the game seems like it's going to be in the city. Like everybody is going to have a different city by the time they get to the end of the game, depending on the choices they made in it. Okay. And I hope that there's way they, you know, cook in maybe some ways to do comparisons, like turn it into a little bit of a kinda of more social element of the game. Mm-hmm. I think would be pretty cool. But we'll see. Either way, it's definitely the game I'm most excited about coming out of E three, at least of the games that I was able to cover.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I don't think I, I definitely haven't played the first one of that, and I don't know that I've played many games like that. You know, sort of a large time investment type game in that in that vein where you have this sort of you know apocalyptic you mm-hmm. know landscape
1: uh but it sounds sounds pretty cool it might be a game that we have to do a little live stream of sometime
0: yeah yeah and it sounds like fun i mean i'll i'm sure the first one probably isn't too expensive at this point so right I'll pick that up and, yeah. and we can play that one
1: definitely excellent and it allows co-op it oh it's yeah awesome Definitely.
0: Yeah. Again, we touched on that in the last pod, but uh, when they don't allow co-op, it, it, <laughs> it's a little disappointing. A immediate strike for a yes. lot of games for me. Uh, There's sure. some more that on designed, that later. Right. Right. There are some that are designed to be single player only, and many that aren't. Yes. Um, all right. So let's go on to the next one, which is Satisfactory.
1: Yeah, Satisfactory. It's a game heavily inspired from another game called I th- want to make sure I get this right, Factorio, and. The point of the game is you crash land on an alien planet and your goal is to get off the planet. And at your disposal is a whole variety of tech that allows you to essentially harvest resources and construct and construct buildings, factories. Once you build these factories, you have to kind of daisy chain them together to build even bigger factories and then which requires you to go out, harvest you know more rare resources, to build even bigger factories, and eventually it all leads, to the creation of this superstructure that you can use to get off the planet and it looks pretty fun it looks like it's going to be a nice blend of exploration and construction and the fact that it's you know four player co-op means that you don't need to say love minecraft and the building elements to really get into it you can be more of the explorer that goes out collects all the resources needed, fights through the monsters, so that the people that are more into the building side of the game can go and, you know, continue the construction of the giant factory chain. So it, it seems like a nice blend of the two, but it's really going to come down to the implementation of the game.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the trailer looked wild. I mean, it, there's just so so much flexibility in terms of what you're able to do. Uh, and I love, you know, they're showing a bunch of there's like assembly lines and things like that. You know, you can shuttle resources more quickly, so mm-hmm. you don't have to run them back, you know, by foot every time. There are different vehicles are driving around in which I assume you also build from you know various parts that you you mm-hmm. know that you can create. And and so I think it's you know it seems like it'll be a lot of fun that way. And I think you're right that it's nice to have the option of playing sort of whichever way you would like. And you know you can let other people handle handle little bits of it. Exactly. Um, I think it, it'll also scratch the itch for anyone who has sort of a, an efficiency you know desire to improve efficiency at all points. Yep, I can so you see can be myself watching something and like ooh, what if we what if we tweak this a little bit and we run a track from here to here and then we can we can save this amount of time you know for each resource run. Yeah,
1: I can definitely see myself getting out some like graph paper uh, outside of the game and just trying to find out the correct or the you know most optimal way to do it. That's definitely something that scratches that itch for me. So, I'm looking forward to that element, but also the exploration looks cool. The developers of this game, Coffee Stain Studios, they had a pretty successful tower defense slash shooter game called Sanctum and the sequel Sanctum 2. And it worked pretty well. Like, the mechanics were pretty, pretty crisp and uh, the design was pretty solid too. My concern is they never really had to do player on creature combat. The, in Sanctum, you generally could kind of hide behind your towers and then you know they would kind of shoot at you a little bit but it wasn't really a huge deal they never unless you kind of strayed from your towers they wouldn't really go after you whereas this uh, if they have kind of a lo- lackluster combat system then i think we're gonna lose a lot From The the players that want to do more combat and exploration-oriented activities are going to lose a lot.
0: Right. Yeah, and uh, they barely showed... I didn't even realize there was going to be player-creature combat until the last 15 seconds of the trailer. Maybe they they give you a little glimpse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... Yeah, it's something where if, if it's not done well, then it just turns into a nuisance as you're trying to get resources rather than like, a challenge that you look forward to I when agree. that happens, and, and that could be annoying at that point. Yes, I agree.
1: But overall, very excited about it, and we'll be definitely following up on that as more details come out.
0: Yeah, and I would say it definitely looks different, right? I mean, it looks like a, yes. a, a very different style of game. Yes.
1: Next game, uh, the, the opposite of different, is uh, Anthem.
0: I immediately thought it was Destiny.
1: Yeah, it basically looks like a Destiny clone, which for us might not be a bad thing, since we didn't really play a lot of Destiny.
0: No, I don't think I ever made it past 10 hours.
1: So it's just kind of, for the people that sank, you know, an entire summer into the game, let's say, they might not be as hyped. Uh, I'm tentatively excited. I, I get worried. I saw a lot of numbers in the demo. Like, you shoot something and you see the 110 damage pop out. Yeah, each bullet. That's can oftentimes be a sign that the game's going to be a real grindfest, which maybe 12-year-old Chris would have enjoyed, <laughs> but 30-year-old Chris is really not into that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly... That, that would be a mark against it if that ends up being the case. It, the, the freedom of movement was, was really encouraging. You've yes. You got, got jetpacks on... Uh and it seems that, so there are four classes it looks like and each, each one has a jetpack so it's not like only, only right. some can fly and some can't Yeah, but it allows you to go underwater it's it's more like a like an iron man suit almost yeah
1: yeah um, and it's it the, definitely the freedom of movement looked really good what i wonder is What's the point of going on the ground in the first place? I'm guessing you're going to have kind of reduced combat capabilities flying around, mm-hmm. or maybe even cert- a lot of monsters you can't even target while flying. So uh, I'm curious to see how they manage that. And once you are on the ground, what your movement is like. Like, is it still going to be very fluid, or when you're in ground mode, are you going to be kind of kludgy moving around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I, I was wondering that myself, which is, you know, if you can fly, then why would you be walking mm-hmm. anywhere?
1: <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out.
0: Yeah, but I thought, I thought uh, generally the, the world looked really interesting. The, mm-hmm. the, the scenery was very cool. Uh, the, the ability to go from flying to underwater to you know moving around seemed, seemed pretty fantastic. And I thought that the creature design was pretty good too, and the, the ones that we saw at least in the demo.
1: Yeah, no, it, it has some promise. And if they can find ways to allow you to enjoy it without needing to you know, grind out a ton of resources and whatnot... Then it, it has some promise, so I'll definitely be keeping my eye out on this one.
0: Yeah, do we do we know anything about the the company behind it or anything like that? That you know they did another game that we've played or anything, you know, in that vein. Yeah, it's better.
1: it is Bioware developing it. Okay, right? and. They generally have a pretty good track record they occasionally miss and they occasionally screw up endings of very popular series <laughs> but generally the gameplay portion is good
0: is that is that uh, possibly related to a specific instance that, that you <laughs> uh, yes
1: no i'm not salty about the ending of mass effect at all and mass effect andromeda of course is a wonderful just stellar game no 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 bad blood there right
0: right so so yeah decent track record at least uh going behind it uh, to start us off so yeah it, it looks it definitely looks looks compelling and so you know maybe get some early reviews on it see what people are saying and might be one that's worth picking up
1: yep just need to keep the eyes on the uh new features coming out and if it isn't a grind fest i think it could be a a pretty good romp
0: yeah absolutely um so let's let's do rage 2 next i think because the other game that we'll cover is is totally different genre yeah i feel like uh rage 2 uh you know watching the trailer i i haven't played the first one watching the trailer it's it it looks like a you know Mad Max type world, uh, yes. That you're that you're operating in, and sort of like the Doom levels of of violence, just constant you know constant right. attacking and shooting and yeah. which
1: on paper sounds great. Yep, yeah. Uh, is if they can really amp up the vehicle combat, the first Rage did have vehicle combat as well. It was okay. Uh, it was I mean. Rage was interesting because it took a lot of great concepts and just kind of executed on them in a very mediocre fashion. Hmm. And I'm hoping with Rage 2 that they're improving on it. It seems the ground combat in Rage 2 is hugely improved on compared to the first one. The first one, it was a lot more cover-based shooting, kind of, you know, move in, you take a few guys out, get behind cover. Whereas Rage Two seems to be more focused on sliding around, you know, throwing superpowers at people, and just generally trying to mow down as many people as fast as you can. All, kind of like the new Doom game that came out, mm-hmm. and that looks promising.
0: Yeah, I, I thought the movement was, you know, a lot of sliding and things like that that you can cover short distances quickly, and, and in a way that you know helps you evade fire. And that seemed pretty smooth, and I, I liked the the way that, that mechanic looked in it. Uh, the, the fighting definitely, like I said, the Doom style fighting, uh, you know, bloody, bloody melee fights and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, which it, it looked good, uh, obviously it's a demo. So as, as you mentioned before, never, never assume that what you're seeing in the, in the trailer at E3 mm-hmm. is going to be the, the same level of the finished product, but.
1: Right. And, but the good news with the Rage series, at least from a graphical fidelity, fidelity standpoint, the first Rage was beautiful. It was, People likened the first Rage more to a tech demo than an actual game because, as you know, I said earlier, the game needed some help, but the graphics and kind of the core functionality was really, really solid. So I'm pretty certain that Rage Two will look as good as Mm -hmm. it does in the demo. And also, it did the game. Yes, it was a demo, but it it did seem to be in engine. It did seem to showcase a lot of you know one of the levels they created. Now. Even that you have to be a little bit skeptical of because, for example, way back in the day, Halo 2, Mm -hmm. they really kind of – they did the same type of spiel where you went through this Earth City level and it was looked really amazing. You're hijacking things, doing all this other crazy stuff, and then they ended up basically, one – removing a huge chunk of that from the game and two you were pretty much ejected off of earth you know within two or three levels at that point anyways yeah and not
0: to return it's it's, yeah
1: yeah so it's you got to be skeptical but this game definitely looks like it has some promise
0: yeah the sort of question marks that i would have based on you know the the level they showed in the demo only you know in in the demo you end up recalling a pod from from space i believe to you know grab the resources that are inside which you know I and mean, that that general premise is the same for many games that that do that uh but the question that i would have then is, do, is does that end up being the the goal of each of the missions that you're on in each of the areas or do they you know add some good variety in a la borderlands things like mm-hmm. that Um even borderlands by the end of the game starts to get a little repetitive where yes. it's like you've got one of five mission types you know go do yeah. them and yeah. He's
1: got he a job board, etc. The first rage did have kind of a the job board concept as well. It had a bunch of mini games. Some of them were pretty good, some of them weren't. And also the whole pods from space, that's actually that is a core part of the plot where there's, you know, but when the apocalypse happened, they sent a bunch of essentially like biologically genetically engineered people up into space to return eventually. So whenever one of these pods lands, it becomes a huge, like, all the people on Earth try to get in and steal all, you know, essentially harvest the tech out of these people if they're alive or not. Gotcha. So the people that come from these pods are super valuable, and the tech in these pods is super viable. So I imagine there will be quite a bit of that. But there's also kind of a lot more, at least in the first game, there's a lot more lower-level stuff, like, go help install a satellite dish here, that type of stuff. I hope that we don't get too in the weeds on doing little, you know, fetch quests and whatnot. I hope they try to keep the scope generally bigger with each mission but we'll see my guess is we're going to see more missions than you care to finish which isn't a bad thing as sure. long as you kind of just stay focused on the type of yeah and, and gameplay you can choose you a path do. differently if you don't want exactly. to exactly to do this. yeah yeah
0: and i think the enemy in this is is uh what I guess the authority named the authority, which I can't tell if I'm happy or, or sad that they, they opted to not use the machine and allow you to rage against the machine. I, I,
1: (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Missed opportunity. Yeah. I
0: feel like maybe they should have gone that route and just, just embrace it. But
1: yeah, no, well, uh, yeah, that is a shame. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But either way, it it looks, uh, looks promising. I I don't think I've played something with quite that frenetic, a level of in mission fighting since playing doom. Yeah. the, The latest one yep uh, I, I think it looks good and I'll keep my eye on it and then the the last one we wanted to touch on totally different genre but honestly like the genre that we've spent more time playing sort of recently yeah. just because it's easy to pop in and out of it mm-hmm. um, the game is called unravel 2 and it, it's it's a, uh, what a puzzling platformer basically. puzzle
1: platformer where you're basically a, a pair of yarn creatures a red one and a blue one who are joined by a string literally. And you go through and just kind of solve various physics puzzles. And it was very, it reminded me a lot of a mix between, say, Limbo and Little Big Planet. Kind of has a little bit of a, an oppressive vibe to it, but also trying to be a little, like, it starts off oppressive and eventually gets to kind of very fun loving and an interesting combination of the two. And that's, it's definitely a game that, I want to try and play as a gateway game. I have my gateway game series where I'm trying to get my fiance into gaming so that one, we can play more games together. And two, even if we don't play as much games together, she understands, you know, my desire to play games right. and lets me play more games.
0: Right. Right. And you guys finished off,
1: we finished off I'm the Forget walking the dead. We finished overcooked. Overcooked. We yes. are in the last level of lovers in a dangerous space time. Very nice. And she has started to play. BioShock Infinite, and it's a good Ooh. chunk through that. So that's just, that's kind of she's graduating to yeah. kind of the more you know hardcore gamer. Yeah, BioShock. Games.
0: BioShock's a big jump up there. For it some is. Of those other ones. Very so, much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Overcooked was very fun as well. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. we
1: we we had some good evenings playing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even yeah, you've even jumped in on that a little bit. Yeah yeah, nice
0: nice one. It has the flexibility to go to two people, three people, back mm-hmm. to two, and yeah, not yep. really not really hurt you.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: So they they debuted the Halo Infinite teaser at E3. Uh, which, you know, doesn't really show you anything other than it's, it's more an engine demonstration, I feel like, than anything yeah. else. Uh, they just wanted to show off the, the graphics and the, the processing.
1: Graphics and just really saying, hey, look, it's a Halo game. We, yep. you know, we're making another one as if anyone was worried that they were going to <laughs> stop making <laughs> right. them. Yeah, I
0: don't think anyone had been thinking, oh man, they probably just shut it down after <laughs> this one. This is not making any money. <laughs> right. Right. Perhaps the, the bigger news, to us, in the Halo gaming universe, is that the current producer has apologized for their gross, gross mistake.
1: Yes, we actually, I believe, vented about it on the last podcast mm-hmm. that there was no co-op in Halo 5, well, rather, no couch co-op, Yep. and they realized the, you know, gravity of their mistake, and they have publicly stated <laughs> they will never make that mistake again, yes. which...
0: Very exciting! Now we can we can plan to play Halo Infinite together um, yes. on the opening weekend and actually sit in the same room. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Pretty fantastic. Uh, and so, so related to the Halo tangent, uh, they they had there was an announcement that there is going to be a live action Halo TV series. I believe it's Showtime.
1: Yes. If I remember correctly. Showtime will be producing it. Steven Spielberg is involved in yep. some capacity. I don't know if it's just his studio or if he's actually going to be personally helping direct things.
0: Right. It does sort of seem like his his bent with the like the Ready Player One type you know mm-hmm. uh interest that he's he's expressed.
1: My understanding is they have the director from the Planet of the Apes series. Okay. So, which I,
0: I've enjoyed those movies. Yeah. I mean, not that like they're classics or anything, but they've been entertaining. They're solid. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to have a pretty big budget too, Mm -hmm. so they're they're going. They're kind of trying to go head to head with the Game of Thrones of the world, and they're bringing the budget to match it. Which I I mean, I'm never going to complain about something have more of a budget, but that does mean that the expectations will be higher when that happens. Which so that you know, we've seen a lot of good series go the way of the dodo because of budgetary issues. For example, Firefly, beloved by the people that watched it, but because it was so expensive to produce not enough it just didn't have enough traction to keep getting made yeah. so th- there's always that risk when you start throwing a ton of money at a project like and,
0: this. and especially in the the sort of sci-fi slash futuristic realm mm-hmm. where you you assume a higher level of investment just for the tech tech goodness and stuff like that yeah
1: and i, I do think there is growing interest in the genre but it is still relatively niche mm-hmm. so, i mean look for example at the expanse if it wasn't for the twitter storm that basically saved it yep It was about to get shut off, and I've started watching it, and it's fantastic. I've heard it's great. It's really, really good. I'd say even better than Firefly. Yeah. And it almost got canceled. Right. But fortunately, I got rescued, and I'm looking forward to finishing the series. But you just got to be careful with these type of big-budget sci-fi Shows that if, yeah, if they don't hit critical mass early, they might go away pretty quickly.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, and, yeah, I think, you know, there aren't a lot of details out about the show so far. There's no, you know, we don't know what it's focusing on. We don't know what the setting is exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying that maybe 20, at best, late 2019, probably 2020, sometime it'll, it'll be starting.
1: I think 2020.
0: I think we would be remiss if we did not mention the. Troubled history of video game to television and movie adaptations. You mean the Hitman movies weren't good? <laughs> the Hitman movies may have been the best. Would be the way to yeah, describe that, the, the history of video yeah, game adaptations. I, I at least
1: kind of enjoyed them, <laughs> although I'm not sure Timothy Olyphant is the best uh, Hitman. Deep
0: cast and still pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, as we as we mentioned before, when when you take the controller out of the person's hands. Video games are a lot less fun, generally speaking. Yes.
1: <laughs> so my my concern with the Halo TV series is, you know, when you've got big budget production, you're trying to create mass appeal, which inevitably means you're going to start getting into love stories, you start getting into things that aren't Halo. Right. And that could potentially sink it for a lot of the hardcore fans of the series, if you've got. You know, some action scenes with a whole lot of bickering back and forward, right? Which uh, I think would be the wrong direction to take it. I think it needs to be much more heavily focused on the action element because that's what the fans want to see. But I think you can still focus on the relationship aspect. I mean, you have to to make it a TV mm-hmm. series. And for yep. example, in the game, the relationship between Chief and Cortana was fascinating, right. and they did a really good job with that. So I hope it's more of those types of relationships and not like oh, you know, the love story between the various people in the Spartan program and whatnot. You can have some of it, just don't overdo it. Yeah,
0: yeah. let's not be spending too much time doing that, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, action scenes also tend to cost more money. Is the reason mm-hmm. that they, they you know, go more to the people-focused.
1: Yeah, you know. they're, they're going to need to really, really figure out a system to kind of minimize the cost on that. The good news is I think a lot of it will be kind of prop-driven, I guess that might not be true because with the you know the various aliens, you're probably going need a certain level of CGI. Like for example, mm-hmm. I don't know how to put someone in a hunter suit, right? Uh, but <laughs> it, I think that there's a lot of potential for them to find ways to you know create an economy as of scale with the action scenes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know I've been trying to figure out what you would even make the story about because I think know, it would it, be
1: cool if they did something along like like go back to the first Covenant War. And you can focus on some of the activities of Chief and even show some of them, but Mm -hmm. make it more about what was going on behind the scenes. Right. Uh, You know, because like the Covenant War goes, starts off before the first Halo game, obviously with Halo Reach, you know, that was before Halo 1 and you had the Spartan program there and kind of all those activities. But there's a lot going on in just the the universe in general, and I'd like to know a lot more about that and a TV series is a great way to explore all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, just just thinking about it, it's probable that what we'll end up with is a group of characters mostly probably involved in the military that's that's fighting this this war against the the alien forces with brief intersections with the actions of Master Chief mm-hmm. um partly because of the budget part of it, partly because again, the Master Chief character is compelling because you get to be him mm-hmm. in the video game. He's extremely stoic. Uh, in a way that probably doesn't translate great to I agree <laughs> to interacting with other people on television, but but they, they could absolutely drop in some some great you know footage of it and and weave him in here and there. But I, I'm pretty sure it won't end up being over the shoulder of, of Master Chief. The whole right, time. which would be a good thing. Yes, if they avoided that. Agreed. Agreed. So the the last section here that we wanted to cover is uh, one that will will be recurring. Pitching article ideas back. You know, back and forth to each other. So the idea is, you know, when it's not content that we're we already doing as part of a series or something like that, it's ideas that come to mind, not fully formed yet. You know, but mm-hmm. is there even enough content to to turn this into a thing, or should we just drop it where we are? Right. Um. So the first one that I I came up with uh, is just it's called alternate NBA timelines, and this occurred to me as I was thinking of this strange state of free agency. So Kawhi Leonard was traded this this past you know week and. And it's kind of fun to to dig all the way back through the, the threads of you know when people's free agencies are and and when their contracts are signed and things mm-hmm. like that and try to figure out what could go differently, how different it would be, if it would actually be different at all, or if it's just you know LeBron versus the Warriors still no matter what. Right. Uh, and so so the first one that I was I was thinking of doing is is what if Draymond Green could could stay away from other people's testicles? Uh, yes, yes, testicles. <laughs> It, the, the year that the Warriors went 73 and 9 and ended up losing to the Cavs in the finals, Draymond, of course, had multiple instances of, of low blows opponents. And this culminated when LeBron, I think, very intentionally stepped over him in the waning moments of, uh, a, a game that they had already lost in Cleveland that mm-hmm. put the Warriors up 3-1. Uh, and I think LeBron knew that, you know, Draymond's one, one technical away from being suspended for a game. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, just gonna put him right there for him. And sure enough, Draymond took a swipe, uh, Mm -hmm. got teed up, and was suspended for Game 5. Right. So in the moment, you know, the Warriors are up 3-1 in the series. People think, okay, that's, you know. It's over. Right. They're probably going to win anyway. Maybe they'll win at home without Draymond. But either way, they're they're still up 3-1. Of course, what ends up happening, they they lose Game 5 without Draymond. Game 6 is back in Cleveland, and they end up losing there. And then we have the very tight Game 7 back in Golden State that the Cavs end up winning. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if if Draymond doesn't get suspended, personally, I think that they win, they go back to Golden State with a full team, they win game five, and just close the series out. Right. Uh, if that happens, most likely Kevin Durant does not join the Warriors in the following offseason. Uh, he took a lot of flag for joining the Warriors. As what as it were, right. But I think even more so if you join the team that just won the championship and came up a seventy three and nine season. Yeah. So if Durant doesn't go there, we can kind of explore where he might go instead. If he goes somewhere else instead, now it's you know okay that is a different hole here. This team starts to be better than you know this team over here. Does it end up being the Warriors, Cavs again? But maybe the Warriors lose that year because they don't have Kevin Durant and LeBron is back without the title, and it's him and Kyrie maybe they win that one.
1: I think that's a, actually kind of an interesting topic because right now we are in kind of the status quo of the Golden State Warriors and X. And yep. right now X has been the Cavs. It could be, I don't know, the Rockets coming up soon, yep. and uh, but next year it'll be
0: someone else at least because LeBron left the East, so. Right.
1: <laughs> so or wherever LeBron went, <laughs> but it is kind of an interesting topic because yeah, what did it like do you think the league would've been better or worse? I mean, I think any shaking up of the warriors and x would be good. Mm-hmm. It on the one hand super teams can be kind of good because they do in a certain sense create some commonality for yeah. non-NBA fans. Yeah, for, It's always
0: just, fun to watch teams try to topple the giant, right?
1: yeah, yeah, and like for example for me like I don't watch a ton of the NBA but I follow it enough to, you know, be somewhat knowledgeable on it and having the Golden State Warriors be kind of an anchor point has been really helpful for that mm-hmm. and even for just real people that really that don't care. Everyone knows who the Golden State Warriors are, so at least there's, you know, you have that common reason to go meet together and, you know, go watch the Warriors game because at least everyone can relate to it.
0: Right, right. So
1: on one hand, I enjoy that, but on the other hand, it is starting to get pretty samey. So I would be yeah very curious to see if Durant does go to someone that's, you know, ranked second, third, fourth. Would that be enough to kind of overtake the Warriors mm-hmm. potentially?
0: Right, right, and uh, and yeah, I'll have to try to work to make it you know under ten thousand words uh, just because <laughs> once you start the if 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 then chain, it's uh, you can go down a long, long chain, way.
1: But the if then chain is great because that's that's you can serialize the content. Then yep. you oh. can go and you have an article on one if statement, and then the next on the then on the next if statement, and you can kind of go through each option. And there's just a lot of Juicy details you can discuss there because it also does tie back to the current state of the NBA as well. Yep,
0: yep. I can say one thing with confidence the Sacramento Kings would still be quite bad. Yes. Yep. Uh, alright, so, so that's one that I'll probably end up pursuing. And then the next one that I wanted to pitch was the, uh, another recap chain. This one for a television show called The Only Way is Essex, which I don't believe that you're familiar with at all.
1: Uh, the only, time I've watched it was when I was swinging by your place for a little bit, and you and Kat were on the couch watching it, and my response was, what the F is this?
0: Yes, yes, that's a very understandable uh, response, and the the answer is, it's essentially a British Jersey Shore. Uh, so
1: it, oh my, I am follows... looking at that, sorry to interrupt, I'm looking at that IMDB and... TV com score and yes
0: strong 3.1 out of 10 on imdb for for the only way is essex wow uh it it essentially just follows a group of people in a uber wealthy area of england as they work through various who's sleeping with who and uh who is currently mad at who for
1: reasons that no one quite understands chains throughout the season i mean it definitely seems like the kind of junk food television that is honestly right up our alley.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, the, the, the biggest difficulty for me is typically understanding what they're saying. Some of the accents are very uh, heavy. Are there subtitles? Uh, yes. And okay. so I will be subtitling when okay. I start doing the recaps. But there is a lot of material out there already. And as far as I know, there are no plans to cancel the show. Uh, they tend to just, you know, refresh the cast when people leave. So people have left, you know, people who are there at the beginning, there aren't many left still on the show but they just added in new people. Is this going to become like the 22 seasons? Correct. There are currently 22 seasons of it. Season 22 They're trying I mean, to like
1: go toe to toe with the
0: Simpsons or something here. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They're doing multiple seasons per per year. Oh boy. So that's part of it. And it's usually maybe 10 to 12 episodes per season, something like that. 30-minute episodes, which that's which I very, very much appreciate. Nice.
1: Yep. My my big concern going into this was are you going to run into a Bachelor in Paradise scenario where you're getting either multiple one-hour episodes or two-hour episodes dropped on you in a right. single week.
0: Right. Yeah. Luckily, that that is not a problem, so that'll be very nice. No.
1: That 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 seems uh, that seems great. Yeah. I think that's right up our alley.
0: I agree. I agree. So I think we're going to start doing this one. Cat and I uh, are almost through all 22 seasons, as embarrassing as that is. Which means that we're about to start getting new episodes for the first time. It seems like a good time to jump into the recap game.
1: Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Do you think Cat
0: uh, would maybe write anything? I don't know if she'll write, but she'll definitely weigh in. So okay. we'll, we'll be,
1: we'll be featuring some, some good. opinions and, you, and commentary yeah, from you'll her. You'll <laughs> have some, uh, some extra analytic horsepower. Yes. On um, the only way is Essex. Yes.
0: I mean, she's already acting as my translator most of the time when, That's when I'm good. like, I'm sorry, what did they just say? <laughs> and about who? <laughs> Do you feel more cultured watching this show? Uh, mm, not at all. Okay. No, uh, considerably less cultured, I would, I would say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, again, it's very Jersey Shore like.
1: Okay. Well, I think you should do it. Yeah. And I, I look forward to reading it. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Uh, all right. So I think I think that's all we had. That's, uh, you know, this month. I'll pretend that it's been a monthly cadence. Yeah, it's uh, definitely this not been episode. like two months. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so we'll wrap it up and we'll plan on, on getting getting together again for another one, uh, hopefully within the next month.
1: That sounds like a plan.
0: All right. Have a good one, Chris. Later.